0: Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador and welcome to an episode of the jet rails podcast i'm robert your host today we're going to be talking about allowing shoppers to personalize their own shopping experience in other episodes we've touched on things that relate to artificial intelligence machine learning and ways for uh, for shoppers to be presented with with, with products and information that are uh, re- going to stand out to them based upon what a computer thinks and today we're going to talk a little bit about how users can actually, uh, Mad Lib style in some ways, they, they, they can design their own adventure uh, through the shopping experience a bit. And uh, with me, I've, I've got uh, Gen, who's going to be uh, sharing in, insights from his personal experience. Uh, he's running the Pre Hook team. And again, um, with no further ado, would, would you do the honors of introducing yourself?
1: Yeah, hey Robert, uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just to be clear, it's it's me and uh, my two co-founders who are working on PreHook, which is an interactive quiz builder for Shopify merchants. And exactly like what you're talking about, we were uh, just looking for a way to help merchants have a more interactive experience in a way to capture the key insights that you might get when you're shopping in person. And I think this has been magnified even more when you consider what's going on with the pandemic and the pullback of in-person shopping. And all of a sudden, the the people on the site, uh, you know, like I think skincare is a great example where you want to be able to serve the, the problems of the customer. But the gap to understanding what those problems are is widening and, and is hard to understand. And so that's how we kind of the problem that we're trying to solve with Prehook.
0: So, you're telling me that the artificial intelligence doesn't know whether I have sensitive skin or
1: dry skin
0: or oily skin or whatever else, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe. I, and I, I was actually just looking, Clavio has a new recommendation engine, which I think is really cool based on, you know, products that you've purchased, products that you've shopped or, or looked at. But there are certain ways in which you can certainly increase the likelihood that you're getting. right product to the right person
0: and and by that point you've already had to really engage in the shopping experience to some level and spend as a shopper a good amount of time narrowing down uh, versus maybe you know a a more interactive experience so i think that that's particularly interesting but i I always love to ask our guests uh you know as one of the co-founders of prehook how did the company get its name uh, was that a big challenge? Did everyone sit down for some beers and a, a couple of cases later, you, that's what you came to? How did to it come together?
1: Yeah. So at the time, so these, the, the two co-founders that I worked with uh, at our previous company where we were the early team of Jungle Scout, which is an Amazon product research tool to help people find products to sell on Amazon. So we're very, very close. We've worked together for four years and the pre-hook part came, uh, I, I think I was actually just reading Russell Brunson's book at the time, uh, Traffic Secrets. I'm a big fan of his, I think, in the way that he distills down what's really most important and kind of finds a narrative. And so one of the the frameworks that he was talking about was hook story offer, you know, in, in the way of like, you know, social media, everybody's scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You need to find a way to like throw different hooks, different ways to get people to stop, learn about what, what you're offering and why they should even care. And so I think with that in the back of my mind, in terms of like, all right, so you have different hooks and that's really what these e-commerce merchants are looking to, to get some traction or attention with, like what comes before that. And, um, you know, hence pre-hook. So the the other stipulation, of course, is that I thought a com is important. And you know, these days, those are getting fewer Hard to farm, come by, yeah. <laughs> more and more expensive. So I was like, okay, um, you know, we'll, we'll start with that. Because ultimately, in the end, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to make or break, it was just something to start with. Um, and then we are starting as well on the Shopify App Store. And in some sense, that's where branding visually or with name might be even less important than the actual benefits that your product offers.
0: That makes sense. I mean, you know, so many tech companies that we all subscribe to the names don't really equate to very much. So uh, there's something to be said for that. And at the heart of the product that you created, what, you know, how would you best define it? Is it like a quiz engine? Um, If you were trying to get it into a sentence, what does it actually do?
1: Yeah. So it's a, an interactive quiz builder and, It it basically is a third party software. It just helps you create a very simple questionnaire. You you as a merchant create the questions, whether it's multiple choice or image or yes, no, or a rating. And then you are putting it on your store in whatever design or or format that you're looking for. Um, So the the quiz, you know, it's like, oh, maybe Buzzfeed made quizzes popular like five years ago or the New York Times. And so there's that element of it, which is like kitschy and maybe a a fly-by-night trend. But I think what's more important is the ability for merchants to get direct access and feedback from their customers. And I think you know, like I mentioned earlier, changes in the you know, like iOS 14, for example. I I just uploaded my my iPhone operating system, um, and, and we've all seen the headlines probably of Facebook and and Apple and their battle over data privacy, and and that's just like the tip of the iceberg. You know, Chrome no longer kind of like having third party cookies facing yeah. it out by 2022, and so these are like small parts of the macro picture, which is basically the importance of a merchant to understand their customers and to kind of own the customer data themselves. And so that's called zero-party data. And zero-party data being information that your shoppers or customers are willingly and proactively sharing with you, as opposed to first-party data, which might be what you're getting from a transaction. And that's certainly helpful, what products they purchase, when they purchase, where they might live, uh, and some of these things. But they're all actually historical data. And um, third party is even worse. Third party is just aggregated first party data. So you don't quite know the recency or validity or accuracy of that data. And so we're trying to help merchants understand or get a channel to have a direct uh, conversation. So. You know, in your question, getting back to that, what does it do? It just allows for a an, a conversation, an interactive conversation at scale, capture an email, and then surface the most relevant product based on the answers that the customers give.
0: And, you know, there are some really great historical examples in the e commerce industry. Of this, like, there, there are plenty of sites in the automotive industry that are going to ask you, for instance, of, about the vehicle that you own. Because do you, you know, if they have 10,000 or 100,000 SKUs, but only, you know, 600 of them are applicable to your vehicle, you know, do you really want to, if you're shopping for hubcaps, do you want to see hubcaps for a thousand cars or for your car? Uh, that I I think that there are absolutely, from my experience, use cases where I'm happy to share that kind of first party data willingly because the best way to get information that's going to be relevant and not bombarded with complete, you know, uh, either ir- irrelevant or, or just, uh, very generalized information and, and offerings. So, you know,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's another kind of emerging buzzword is personalization. And, uh, you know, everybody's kind of, it's like the Holy grail is how do you personalize at scale? And when, I mean, frankly, you, 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 can't. It doesn't necessarily make sense to create segments of one, you know, across your entire customer base or users on the site, visitors, but it's about ramping up the relevance. And the more input that you have, the better the inputs that you have, the greater your ability to create relevant messaging or offers or even visuals, which is more and more important in the e-commerce experience. So yeah, that that's where the the quiz and gathering the answers, the, the data. So you're setting the strategy beforehand. Of all right, what are the things that matter for us? What are the uh, the ways that we're going to create cohorts or segments on the back end and create campaigns around those? Let's ask about those on the website experience, and then kind of like um, recapture the email and, and everything. Uh, the colorful parameters around the email, and then you're you're able to increase the relevancy, and therefore the efficacy of these messages is far greater.
0: Makes sense. I mean, you know, while there's a lot that I think you can you can individualize to some extent, it, it really is about segmentation and identifying. You know, you're you're not making products by and large for one person. You know, there are a few you know, uh, certainly there are good use cases for actual personalized products, but by, you know, when we're talking about your average e-commerce website, it's really about matching things up and finding those trends, finding, uh, finding those data points that are going to align really well. So when you're creating one of these quizzes, what, um, what's the tone like, is there something that, Is going to really appeal more to the shoppers? Is keeping the the tone very formal the more common, or you know, do people make it light or funny, or you know, try to loosen things up a little bit and humanize it? What seems to to actually happen in the market, and what seems to work?
1: Yeah, for sure, it's a good question. I think it it really is most important to mirror what the brand voice is, or or what the state of the customer is. You know, on the more serious end. A quiz that comes to mind might be Curology, which is an acne medication kind of like that you, you purchase online. And so that, as you might expect, is very clinical, straightforward. You're asking, you know, what kind of skin problems you have, what skin type, where you live, what your current regimen is. And that's very much to simulate the experience of a medical consultation. And then on the other hand, the other end of the spectrum are the more whimsical, like Dr. Squatch, which is this kind of, uh, Rowdy brand of soap for men, or poopery, where it's bathroom sprays with scents, and they have very, they have a lot of puns and and witty copywriting in their quiz. Uh, so that that I think is on brand for them, and that makes sense. Uh, what I find, in my opinion, that might not work, and I think the data might back this up is just including superfluous questions that are kind of filler or meant to be funny, but really don't add any value. So examples might be like, you know, if you were, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Or, you know, what season are you? Or these things where you sure you can make a connection that, you know, they're your fragrance brand. And it's, uh, you know, they say that they're a lion that they have like, looking for musky or whatever you know who knows but that is a little bit of a stretch and so to me i think it well, doesn't you
0: risk alienating some of the people filling out this quiz and the whole goal is to really stay on point with them so
1: exactly but even know, worse could... than alienating is you actually get drop off you yeah. know so so type had a really interesting study they obviously have millions of data points and as you might imagine for every additional question in a quiz, you're going to get drop off. So do you really want to sacrifice, you know, like 3% of the completion rate to ask what flavor, what animal you are, what, what flavor you are, what princess you are?
0: Yeah, no, well, uh, you know, KISS method, keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, totally agree. Uh, I, look, I, I think for surveys in general, you know, outside of thinking of quizzes specifically, you know, the more questions you ask, the more likely that you're gonna see that that drop-off. Um, that people are are just gonna either before they start because they see it's too darn long, <laughs> or uh, or once they start because they've just had enough, um, they're gonna hit the eject button and and run away. Uh so that may, makes as much sense as anything else. Um now, you know, thinking about the, these kinds of quizzes. Do you think that um for a brand like someone that, that's selling personal care products, should these be popping up at people? Should these be by invitation through some kind of a button or or something else on the site? What's a good way to bring this forward to the shopper uh in, in a way that they're going to potentially want to interact with? Do you have to offer them some kind of a coupon or discount or something special to get them to do it? What actually, you know, and do you have any, along with that, I'll, I'll make this a really compounded question. Uh, do you have any data on, on average, how many people, uh, what kind of range of percent of people are willing to fill out something like this?
1: Yeah, okay, so good question. In terms of where to surface it and the website experience, I'll say that it depends on how important the quiz is to the customer journey. Like for example, a brand, uh, off the top of my head, a brand like Stitch Fix. So Stitch Fix is, or Wink, which is a wine brand. They force everybody, whether you sign up and pay or not, to go through the quiz. And the reason is because their subscription brands, the information that they're gathering upfront is super important to the customer experience and making sure that they're sending the right product to, to the customer. So it's this, essentially onboarding questionnaire they capture the email. So in that sense, every single visitor on the site who is not registered or has not shared an email must go through the quiz. So there it's, it's far more prevalent of a call to action. Another might be you know, a skincare brand where a quiz is helpful because for skincare, of course, there's a wide variety of SKUs. You wanna make sure that the, the product itself caters to and addresses the skincare needs of that customer but they also might know what they want and they can search by via filters or whatever so not super important maybe they have it on the upper nav or as a call to action um, in a menu uh, but it's it's not necessarily you know super uh, important in terms of every customer going through it uh, but I've also seen a lot whether it's a, a paid ad you know Facebook ad you can look in the Facebook ads library see that a lot of these brands that do have quizzes use, the quiz as a landing page, because a quiz by nature piques this curiosity about us as humans to learn more about ourselves. I mean, that's like the favorite subject of everybody is to learn more about themselves this self-discovery. And that's what a quiz prompts is this uh, curiosity. I happen to think I've
0: discovered enough about myself, but um, I'll take your point and, <laughs> and try uh, yeah, right. Sure. Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I think from as a shopper at least, which you know, usually I'm thinking about this as as an e-commerce, uh, you know, experienced industry person, whatever uh, title we want to bestow on that. But a- as a shopper, when I walk into certain types of businesses, I'm prepared to share certain information. I walk into uh, you know a men's formal wear store, or, you know, suit store, whatever it may be, and. Uh, I'm going to tell them what I need the items for. You know, if, if whether I need a tux for you know something formal, or I need you know, uh, I, I need something uh, more sp- sporty or whatever. You know, for uh, speaking engagements or whatever the, the case may be. It's going to be a pretty common conversation to be had. Uh, you walk in and you kind of know you're going to get a sales rep, and they're going to walk you through this. Uh, similar things when you walk into a car dealership. I mean, most of us walk in with some idea of what we want, but um, you know, we might find out quickly that based on a few parameters that we're going to get pushed towards something, whether that works or not. Uh, you know, some with you know, I mean, when it comes to skincare and things, I think department store. You walk up to any kind of a, a makeup or fragrance or whatever counter, or, you know, jewelry counter, they're going to ask some questions and. They're going to start pulling you toward whatever case or whatever (laughs) display that we're, to some extent, we're primed for those conversations. So, you know, logically, I would just want to think that if you if you ask it in the same way that I'm used to, and this is just a digital conversation, we're going to get to very similar outcomes, maybe better outcomes, because the computer in some cases might be a little bit better trained or, uh, you know, less fallible. Um, as much as I, I think wonderful things about these uh these sales team members at these retail operations. But um, you know, you walk into the tire store and you know, they're gonna get information about what your vehicle is and how you're using it, not just what it is. And they're gonna make some recommendations to you pretty clearly. Uh, you know, I, I think in a lot of cases, this is just extending um this one step forward and maybe making it more prevalent for businesses that might not have been utilizing this well enough in the first place. Yeah.
1: I I do think that we're going to see a lot more of this and whether it is, it's called a quiz, a survey, a questionnaire, a consultation, you know, the nomenclature doesn't matter, but the importance of like having that interaction is really important. And it brings up uh, interesting statistics that I've come across in terms of what we as customers are looking for and what we expect as a customer experience buying things online. And that is that we don't want to be treated like uh, a number or we don't want to receive just mass emails with uh, largely general messaging. Uh, We are willing to share. I think it's like uh, 71% of consumers are frustrated when they don't receive a personalized experience. And like 90% are willing to share the information in order to receive a personal experience, a personalized experience. But the gap, and it's kind of known as the customer experience gap, is that marketers aren't necessarily gathering the information and aren't packaging it up to feed it back to customers for that personalized experience. So that's where a lot of the opportunity is, you know, as the as marketplace might become more competitive, more products are are jumping online just out of necessity with the pandemic, but also with lower barriers to entry, you know, you can order on AliExpress or whatever far easier than it was in the past. The need to understand what your customers are looking for and have that kind of like relationship per se is going to only get more uh, important.
0: Yeah, well, and look, sometimes I think for, especially for certain segments of users, putting this all online is a better experience because they don't like the pressure of the actual salesperson like they might like people but they don't want to feel like you now they've taken someone's time and you know someone's waiting on them and and not the next customer and trying to earn a living get a commission or whatever it may be someone's standing over them um, or watching them from the corner of the store waiting to bounce <laughs> yeah. sure. uh, th- that I, this is kind of that that healthy balance of trying to offer um, back to that that buzzword is Personalized experience, this personalization, but that's the way forward for e-commerce. It's uh, if you want more people to want to shop from your store online, um, you know, and marketplaces like Amazon are more of a you know a commodity purchase. What you're giving them on your website is a more personalized experience, is a relationship with the brand, and more information and more learning experience and you're pulling all these different things together um, to have a relationship with the shopper in a way that you don't, when you sell to them through Amazon, they're Amazon's customer, they're not yours.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So that's, so I think we've covered a lot of the data collection and you know, the the how and the why, how does it then become actionable in your opinion in in a good use case and a, in a proper scenario where now these quizzes have been filled out by shoppers, whether it's on landing pages or somewhere uh, that that's going to be triggered on the website or visited through, um, through uh, browsing the site. Is it what's going to be offered to them right then and there as soon as they finish the quiz? Is it what they're going to see the next time they come back to the website and log in? Is it uh, what they're going to be... E- emailed or, you know, or, or messaged or, you know, remarketed, retargeted through other triggers and mechanisms? Is it all the above? Um, what does, at least in the short term, obviously, I, I think these things will continue, uh, you know, evolving for a lot of brands that you have to start somewhere. Uh, what What's sort of the, the natural progression in your mind of doing this well?
1: Yeah, so... You know, I'll bring up a, a skincare as an example. And I think I do that because skincare might have shifted so much with the pandemic and with this reliance on in-person experience now going offline, or I'm sorry, uh, online. Mm-hmm. And so I think how to actually make this data actionable is with a recommendation. Okay, so there's always this expectation of, a quid pro quo. I'm going to share information with you. At the end of that experience, you're going to give something to me. And that's what I'm picking as a customer. So what that exchange is, is here's, here's some answers to what I'm looking for. Maybe my email address or, or phone number for SMS. And in return, you're going to maybe give me an analysis of my skin. Uh, probably one of the most uh, extensive and, and cool examples is I think derma dermal, Dermalogica, dermatologica uh, where they basically take a selfie. You take a selfie, and, and then mm. they give you an analysis. That, that's pretty high tech. It's augmented reality, cool stuff. But it could just be like a, a self fulfilling quiz, or, or you know, I'm just telling you what my skin type is, what my problems are, what I'm looking for. Uh, so, how to make it actionable is on the recommendation page. I think that some of the skincare brands. Um, Curology is one or skin, say, as another example. They do a really nice job of basically gathering all of the data that inputs and then showing it back, kind of mirroring it on the recommendation page to say, you have dry skin. This is the moisturizer for you. This is, um, you know, you you said that you're Mm -hmm. worried about black spots or dark spots or or clogged pores. These are the products that you need. So it's almost like a, a reaffirmation of. Uh, yeah. that they understand the, the problem i have here's a solution um yeah. and Maybe then, in a more digestible way than just
0: giving them whether we want to call them search filters or um layered navigation or faceted search or you know there's lots of industry terms and different ways to uh to make these things happen but you know it's a more humanistic approach
1: yeah yeah i i, I think that's a great point um, but it's also not even just on the recommendation page and the permutation of products that go there, but all of this gets fed to, you know, the email service provider. So all of a sudden there are segments in Klaviyo based on, you know, what the skin type is, what the problem is. Maybe it's, it's geography, which matters for skin as an example. Um, but then also, you know, on the remarketing, so you're you're, you know, getting the dynamic offering of what your recommended product is, or it's SMS marketing, and you know that product being uh, whether it's an abandoned cart or whatever, uh, texted. So I think it it kind of like in a hub and spoke model of sorts in terms of data. You're gathering everything in the from the quiz, and then it's informing these marketing campaigns that you're running on different channels. Yeah. All with that as a
0: shopper, thing. you know, I historically I like going into a store where I'm going to have you know have the same person uh assisting me because i don't want to uh, go through that entire life story again of what my needs are or whatever's particular um you know it's kind of like it it's nice when someone you know becomes a regular at a restaurant or something again, in normal circumstances <laughs> yeah. and uh and someone knows their order it's it's a nice feeling um uh, I, I think that that's I don't think that shoppers want to fill out the same questionnaire or quiz or whatever over and over again. So I think that's probably an important takeaway for for merchants. It's if you're gonna do this, do it with the right uh, with the right tech stack and make sure that um, that it's actionable and that you're gonna make it worth the customer's time that they're gonna feel like this was beneficial. Maybe this is going to go into a drip campaign or something that checks in on them or offers them more advice long-term based upon what you now know about them. Uh, it doesn't always have to be about making an immediate sale, but building the relationship, being experts in a field, uh, you know, speaking the same language, I think that, you know, that's often what's missing, uh, out of so much of the online experience. Um, you know, so that, that all makes sense, you know, because different merchants are going to use this different ways. I imagine that it's hard to create some kind of a baseline improvement to conversion rate optimization or customer lifetime value, but that's the end goal here as a merchant. You're not just doing this because it's cool. You're doing this because it's going to improve your bottom line. Do you have any thoughts on what a merchant might be able to expect out of doing this well? Because um, again, you know, I, I'm sure that this can range in how it's it's applied and how it's used and uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's really applicable and how big the audience is and all sorts of different parameters, they're going to uh, throw things off. Um,
1: yeah. So as a caveat, these are anecdotal. I'm not running my own store with a quiz to see a before and after, uh, but I have been interviewing and speaking with people. On, and on my podcast, I spoke with one woman who uh, her name is Priya Downs, runs Nudea, which is a a broad brand women's lingerie in uh the uk and so she does she's a a quiz a fit finder which is very popular in terms of like finding the right fit for a bra and she has two ways of doing the fit one is with a a a old school measuring tape and one kind of like an online quiz what was really astounding is that the conversion rate of those that take the quiz to those that don't is basically 10x she said so Uh, It's about a 3% conversion rate if you just go to the site and purchase. But then if you kind of go through the top of the funnel, either buy the quiz or take the online quiz, uh, she was seeing 30% conversion rate. Uh, And I think that that's like an an astoundingly high rate. I'd be throwing money to get people to take the quiz if that were the case. Uh, Another example is Bamboo Earth, which is a skincare brand. Um, and they wrote about it on the common thread collective, which four by 400, it's kind of like a holding company of these brands are very transparent and helpful with sharing their knowledge and what they're working on. I think that they saw like a two X increase in conversion rate and a 2.5 X increase in average order value of those who take the quiz and go through that whole funnel. And then those that don't, um, but also more interestingly is that they were, once they had the quiz and had been running it for a while, they ended up seeing more purchases, repeat purchases of those who took the quiz than those that didn't. Um, so that kind of ties in right to the lifetime value, uh, especially I think with skincare brands, a lot of the uh, the acquisition cost is front loaded. You might not make a lot of profit margin on that first order, but every subsequent especially,
0: order. I mean, skincare and related um you know, related types of businesses have often gotten involved in affiliate marketing where a lot of that expense is front loaded or they're priced in a way where, you know, they're going to basically give away the first product on to marketing uh, overhead in order to to drive in that, that first customer as you were, you know, uh, alluding to. This is pretty natural. So yeah, if, if you can't get them to come back and buy again or sign up for a subscription or do something else, that's going to be rough. And You know, if you don't really figure out how to pair them with the right product, you're dead in the water. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're never going to get them to come back. So, you know, you give the customer the wrong product, they're not going to think very much of it. They're not going to come back three more times and try three other things. So, uh, there's there's definitely uh, you know, I think even for technology purchases that people don't always think about it, but in order to figure out which model of whatever that device is that you really need, understanding the actual use case and taking people through it? you know a lot of us spend a long time trying to compare and read descriptions and figure out what's actually different about these products and figure out exactly which one is going to most closely align with what we want. And it's not always something that you can surface just through you know through attribute filtering and such. and I think that there, there's a lot of that. Uh, talking more about the actual use case and not just about the specs uh, that comes together through these sorts of quizzes, and, and it really helps the shopper um, because it really is that different format to it. Um, you know, you've mentioned some really great um, a- examples and some really great data sets. Uh, are there any other uh, any other merchants that really come to mind that you think are doing some of this really well. Um, anyone else that, that you think, you know, it should really be put under the microscope because, uh, they're just, they're getting it right.
1: Yeah, for sure. So one, I think that's interesting is Billy. Are you familiar with Billy, the woman's razor?
0: Uh no not particularly but all um, uh, right
1: well you had a beard I wasn't sure if you did. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so Billy is I think the URL is my b i l l i e uh, and they do women's razors I think they're owned by Procter and Gamble or Unilever but kind of like a large CPG brand and what's really interesting is they have a relatively small set of items and they're they're making their money on or. Subscription is very important to them and they have a quiz and it's a very simple, I think it's like three steps and it's basically what color do you like, how often do you shave and then they lead naturally into upsell products, which it might be the shaving cream or, or additional razors or something um, and and then a checkout. And it's it's a really slick quiz. It's visually very nice. It looks great. Uh, and then it's a little bit of a whimsical. We we're talking about like how on-brand versus serious it has to be. Uh, it's a very clean uh, quiz. And I don't know numbers on this, but what I do like is that the upsell is just so naturally ingrained in the process that I have to expect that people that go through this as opposed to add directly to court, cart have a higher average order of value in aggregate because they're just clicking yet. Yeah, I probably will use new razors. And, and what I love about it also is that it really just naturally gets people into a subscription. So, you know, you click, you shave, you know, daily or weekly, you're going to get shipment more often than if you shave every month. Uh, but regardless, you're going to be, get fed into a subscription model.
0: Yeah. Uh, that, that works with the way my brain works. Yeah, yeah I yeah. like stuff like that. And I mean, the benefit is here that it's, it's a tech stack. So you get to test and measure, you get to see what the, uh, what the actual lift is or lack thereof. If for some reason, you've got a customer set that really just wants to be left alone, <laughs> knows what they want and, uh, whatever the case is, Hey, look, you know, it, it happens, but, uh, you know, if I'm buying mattresses or something you know i i want them to ask me if i sleep on my side or my back or my stomach i want you know that kind of you know am i hot am i cold am i tell me what i want i i don't want to go and and buy a mattress and not be happy and return it or i don't want to be bothered with that for sure be the right item the first time um you know i mean they're also similar in so many ways right but uh, at least let me mentally you know even if it's placebo let me feel good about it so yeah well let in, me feel like case, i
1: did this i got this purchase right <laughs> totally and a thousand dollars like you really do want it right helix sleep is uh is a mattress brand that has a really nice quiz and kind of like asks you all right robert how tall are you how much do you weigh who's sleeping on the bed what size bed do you want and then yeah i mean they might only have five different options but it kind of guides you to it and it Reinforces why they recommended it.
0: Yeah. Well, again, this has been a, a fun one for me because I, I think that so much of this, and I'm sure for our listeners, it just clicks, it makes sense. Uh, I think that you're onto something in that, you know, it's not that we haven't seen some of this before, but we're going to see more of it, especially as so many brands are seeing so much growth online versus uh, some of the, their other more traditional offline uh, shopping channels. And, uh, so, you know, hopefully we'll see more of it because it's consumers. I think it's just good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's not a lot here to, 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 for me to question. Um, you mentioned your podcast. Uh, if anyone wants to go check that out, um, what's the, the name of the podcast?
1: Yeah, it's cart overflow cartoverflow.com. Uh, we speak weekly with people doing cool things in the e-commerce marketing world, operators, tech partners, agencies. Um, uh, and so it, it's been, it's been really cool in terms of like connecting with the people, learning from them and sharing those lessons. So, uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm, my name is Gen, G-E-N, uh, email me again at, at prehook.com and, uh, or just check out what we're doing prehook.com.
0: Yeah, I'm sure if anybody sees a cool survey, let Gen know. He, yeah, <laughs> please. He seems to have the best list of these running. So uh, let's keep that going. Um, any final words before we wrap up?
1: Final words. You, you know, I think whether it is a quiz or it's a questionnaire or a survey or, or whatever the mechanism is, it could be support tickets or conversations with the sales team, I think, The underlying important lesson is how the conduit with customers to have those conversations I think is super enlightening. And I'm learning this myself as I'm building this brand and product uh, to have those customer insights to actually not kind of build in the void and market in a void. And I think uh, that's where we're trying to help out. But I think it's whatever the tech tactic or channel is, uh, the upside is just infinite.
0: Yeah. Uh Yeah. I think that uh, everyone listening is, is going to agree that if if you want to get to the right endpoint, you have to write, ask the right questions. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, JetRails is a web host. You don't go to our website and pick a hosting plan. That we speak to every single merchant that we support, and we size them out. We identify what are their challenges, what are their needs, and we architect uh, around it. That. Ah uh, we know it's a working model, and we know that it it leaves us with really, really great retention, really great uh, you know customer feedback. and I think you know the more that we can see more of these businesses that are really being pulled farther and farther online uh, being able to take those kind of steps and uh, and build those kinds of relationships, even if it's for you know a, a twenty dollar product, <laughs> you know they might not be. Uh, In a position to have thousands of people, you know, calling in and going through this, nor do the shoppers necessarily want to have, you know, it's not that detailed to purchase. Uh, But finding this kind of alignment, it's really great. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, To our guests, uh, you know, we're always really thankful for your time and uh, for your expertise. I hope we get to do this again sometime. Um, For our listeners, stay safe, stay healthy, and happy selling out there. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.